you're listening to an encore presentation of Sunny in Seattle. Sunny would like to wish you the happiest of holiday weekend. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny's guest is senior military officer turned mystic and medium, Suzanne Giesman. The two of them will be discussing her incredible memoir, Messages of Hope, the metaphysical memoir of a most unexpected medium. So tune in for some inspiration and confirmation that love never dies. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And welcome, welcome, everyone. Good morning. Uh, this is Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. We're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. Or you can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And my website is goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. Uh, so, Benny, how are you doing on this Friday? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm glad we have some uh, former Navy military on hand because I practically floated into work today. I mean, this is ridiculous around here. Oh, is it bad? <laughs> it is horrible. Like, we're stage four or five uh, situations. There's so much rain. Sunny, we made national what? news. Yes, it's been raining so hot, so much air. That I have not, you know, I don't regularly watch the news, so this hasn't hit my radar. You're hearing screen, it, me. Goodness, you're Benny. hearing it from me. I'm I... underwater right now. Look at your it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, okay, it's not that bad, but <laughs> you you get me. <laughs> yeah. Well, goodness. Well, uh, is it expected to let up anytime soon? Uh, yes, by Sunday and Monday, we'll see a little bit of sunshine, dry things up a little bit. I think that's starting with your show right now. We're gonna dry things hey. up. Hey, all right, because you're the sun. You're the sun. You're making yes. it happen. Bring in some sun and bring in some messages of hope from Boom. our very special guest today, Suzanne Giesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boom, making yes. it happen. Yeah, well, I'll go ahead. I will let you all know. Um, so this is um, a very special guest that uh, usually I um, my guests come across my radar screen in a number of different ways, but there are usually usually some channels through which they come most regularly. This one was kind of a special one um, through one of our regular listeners, Nancy. You know who you are out in Alameda. Um, she made me aware of Suzanne Giesman, and I have to say, I am probably the last person to the Suzanne Giesman party because everyone else seems to know her before I did. So anyway, I'm just happy to have her on today, and hopefully we can get her back on to talk about her continuing work because the book that I read for the show today is actually um, one of the first ones that she's known for um, that was written, I believe, in 2011. Um, so we're going to have Suzanne on the show today to talk all about her story, her work, and all that good stuff. So let me just give you a little bit of background on her, and then we will bring her on. So Suzanne Giesman is a former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer and aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She regularly flew on Air Force One with the president, spent time in the Oval Office, went to top secret uh, briefings. Um, so she was really high up in the military. Then following the tragic death of her stepdaughter, Susan, and Susan's unborn son, 
Suzanne went in search of life's deepest truths. She began to have intuitive knowings and experienced several spiritually transformative experiences, which ultimately led her to the work that she now does today as a medium. Uh, Suzanne is the author of 13 books. Uh, we're going to be discussing today, probably I'll be drawing more from anything, uh, more than anything from the book Messages of Hope, uh, which is her memoir. Um, what is it? A metaphysical memoir of a most unexpected medium. Um, but she does have many other books out there. She has been a keynote presenter for organizations, including Edgar Casey's Association for Research and Enlightenment, the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, and the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Today, she is a messenger of hope for those on both sides of the veil. And in the words of the late Wayne Dyer, Trust me on this, Suzanne is an exceptionally gifted visionary and practitioner. She will touch you from a God-realized place, so pay close attention. We're very lucky to have her here today. The website, if you want to find out more about her, is SuzanneGiesman.com, and I will just spell that for you, uh, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, Suzanne. Giesman is spelled G-I-E-S-E. M-A-N-N, SuzanneGiesman.com. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Sonny. The energy coming off of both of you and Benny is just off the charts. I Boom, love it. right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I hope that I think it would cover the entire KKNW listening audience. We have a very high vibration audience yeah. with everybody. Well, I'm there. loving it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Well, so I have interviewed quite a few mediums, and it's interesting to me how each person has come to the work, but I have to say yours is the most unusual of all of the folks I've interviewed that are in this line of work. Could you tell us a little bit about your background, the previous chapter of your life that you lived before what you do oh, now? Oh, yes. And why the book's subtitle is a most unexpected medium is because I had no idea my whole life that the spirit world was real. I had no awareness of any psychic abilities, never saw a spirit, and was so fo totally focused on my military career that this was not even on the radar screen. In fact, uh, I did very well in in my career. I'm very grateful. I, I served my command tour for one of the shore units there at uh, Bangor Sub Base, west of Seattle. Mm. And, and I was just going back over how everything came together. I was supposed to stay out and be the XO of the Bremerton Naval Base, but called back to Washington. And there I was invited to be the aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the head of the whole United States military. And I see now, Sonny, that that the perfection in that plan at a higher level is that people now say, well, if she can believe, then maybe I'm not crazy after all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and that's it's interesting you say that because I've noticed there are so many I feel like like Dr. Eben Alexander is a beautiful example of someone who you know can really speak to um, you know from the scientific perspective he had that near death experience mm -hmm. where the actual part of his brain that scientists have always associated with consciousness was basically killed off by bacterial meningitis and he lived to tell and so it's like folks like you folks like Dr. Eben Alexander during this time that we're in it's so beautiful because for the skeptics out there, it's becoming harder, I think, harder and harder to be a skeptic out there when there are folks like you speaking about these things. And I was a skeptic. I'm one of those people who I was chosen to be the, the chairman's aide because I was so logical and analytical and planned things and organized things. But 
what has totally made me into a believer, I can't deny it, is the preponderance, overwhelming evidence that comes through from those in the spirit world who I now communicate with. There's just no denying it. And that's yeah. the beauty in it. The evidence-based mediumship has been a, a, a show changer for me. Yeah. And that's one of the things that really stood out to me about the book that I read, um, the messages of hope, which is of course one of your many books, but there was so much, um, you included so many of the details of the evidence-based mediumship as it came to you, as you were becoming more practiced in it and things were unfolding for you. Um, but so given that you were the skeptic, you were this high ranking military, uh, person walk us through what happened to shift that for you. Well, unfortunately, the more I speak with people who are now on the same metaphysical, spiritual, vibrational path that we're on, many times it takes a big wake-up call to totally change our worldview. And for us, it was just the worst possible thing imaginable when we got the phone call that my stepdaughter, Susan, my wonderful husband, Ty's daughter, had been struck and killed by lightning. She was a Marine on active duty, crossing the flight line, six months pregnant, and suddenly just gone. But the moment that changed my life that really started the ball rolling with this new chapter was looking at the body in the coffin. And I say the body because what was clear to me in that moment was that's not Susan. So what happened to the part that animated that body? And I'd always been interested in the afterlife curious about it but never had a reason to really dig in deep and boy then I did so I took Ty to a medium you know Sonny he didn't even know what a medium was he went along because he just said yes dear (laughs) (laughs) what a great husband and uh, and now he's married to one but it's the evidence that medium brought through I wouldn't even give her our last name I was such a skeptic I wasn't going to give her a chance to google us ahead of time she wouldn't know who I am she better not bring through some old lady with gray hair who you know this is your grandmother and she loves you no I want to hear from Susan and oh my god I couldn't even think straight for three days afterwards because there was no doubt we had a meeting with Susan in that medium's uh, office yeah yeah, and and the other thing that I thought was so beautiful that combined with the the experience in the medium's office, but also Susan began presenting herself to you in other ways, like the the when you talk about um, the butterflies. Do you mind sharing a couple of the butterflies? Oh, not at all. I mean, it was over a year before we got to see a medium. I needed to find somebody I knew would be the real deal. Might only get one shot at that. Right. Or Ty would never go again. But in the meantime, from the moment I had that epiphany in at the funeral, I began sitting and doing my version of what I thought meditation was, which was pretty darn good because it ended up helping me to sense her personally. That was my goal. But um, I kept thinking she would appear before me as some wispy figure that I would see her. And some people by grace have that experience. But for me, she showed up right when I was asking for her on a trail. I was out hiking with Ty. Why, Why don't you show up, Susan? Where are you? And all of a sudden, this butterfly came out of nowhere from the left side, caught my eye, flew around me in a circle, then flew straight into my heart, then flew down the trail in a beeline, 50 yards down the trail to tie, flew around him in a circle, hit him in the heart, and flew off. And I I was stunned. And I, I remember thinking, 
wait a minute, we've had two other really unusual experiences with butterflies in the last few days, right when I've been asking Susan, is she around? And I didn't for a moment think Susan had become a butterfly, but I knew something was guiding these three off-the-wall encounters with butterflies to get our attention, to say your prayers are being answered, but maybe not in the way you expected. Yes, and so this really did lead you on a journey um, where it just, the one thing that stood out to me, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Suzanne, you, it felt like, were really pursued um, in the sense of the the breadcrumbs appeared, you followed them, doors open, and teachers appeared, mediums who were teachers, appeared to you, and you ended up at the Arthur Findlay College, which is a very prestigious um, um, mediumship uh, college in England. It's it you it feels like this was destined to be for you to be doing this work. And I'm curious if it felt like that strong of a calling as you were going through this or if you were just really fascinated and wanting to learn more. I know it's all part of a plan, Sunny. Um, at the beginning, I didn't realize it was, but I was actively seeking those breadcrumbs. I needed to know she was around us, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to be gullible. So it had to be something that I couldn't deny. And those kept happening until I had a personal experience of connecting across the veil with Susan and with other people's loved ones. And that's when I totally embraced this new mission because the reading that we had with the medium was so healing. When I discovered I could do that too, oh my gosh, I was all in. You mean I could help somebody else to find this hope to to heal instantly when you realize I may not be able to get them back physically, but they're still here and we can talk to them? That to me eclipsed any stars I might have ever earned in the military, anything. This is it. This is my mission. And I'm, I've been all in ever since. Yes, yes. And so another question that I have then, and I've, um, I've interviewed quite a few channels too, and I'm always, again, interested by how they came to the work. But for some of the, the ones that I have spoken with, it really was an undeniable, like they didn't just show up at a an intuitive development course and work and work and work and then finally something came through. For many of these people, it was like a knock at the door of their consciousness saying, hey, I'm here, are you willing to bring me through because we've got some work to do here. So oh, yeah. I'm curious also from where you sit, is this something that we are born with, whether it's the mediumship or channeling or any of these intuitive skills, do you think it's something that we're born with as in terms of a contract to do this work? Or do you think that we can actively seek it and develop these skills, even if we are not starting with very much? The answer to that is yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very low, a big, big question to unpack. No, but it's so, Im- it's so important that we all understand, yes, we can all connect. We all have guides. We can all learn to access them. We can touch our loved ones who have passed. How much we open that up is is up to our belief and our commitment to making ourselves into that perfect instrument to sense them. But if it's a calling, you will know it because it will just flow and it'll open up and you can't not do it. Right. Yes. And for you, another thing that stood out to me, so I'm just curious, as you were developing, you know, you're at one, in in one way you are answering the call, but in another way you really are developing these skills, both 
um, in terms of actively seeking um, mentorship and and being a student, um, but then also just in your own quiet time. Um, and you talked about having a period of both receptivity and passivity in your meditation, as well as a more active talking or prayer type. And I'm curious, do you, is that important, do you think, for all of us or particularly for developing our intuition or those skills? I love this, Sunny. You have so clearly done your homework. I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the thing. The first couple of years when my whole goal was just to hear from Susan, I was mostly in that passive receptive state. It was the training ground to open up this spaciousness in my consciousness, to learn to quiet the monkey mind, because those across the veil are knocking on our door. But if we haven't learned to control the random thoughts that will come up, then it's really hard to sense them. Somehow I knew that, and that time of sitting in the silence was was training me to be able to access that expanded state at will. Once I did that, that's when the, the, the doors opened and those in the spirit world just started chattering, and I remember saying, who are you? And they said, we're this team of guides that's been with you all along, and now you're going to start writing. And little did I know, I'd start speaking their words. And we just, the, the access to them now is instantaneous. And and it's just beautiful awareness that none of us is ever alone. But yet we stumble through life until we come to that awareness. But in the end, it's all beautiful. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I do love how this work really did evolve for you. One of the first, um, after your periods of sitting in stillness, hoping to connect with Susan, you started actually automatic writing at some point. And I was curious if you would tell us a little bit more about that, because how, so not you're not only connecting with transitioned loved ones, but also those guides that you just mentioned that have now evolved in a way as well. Um, so, but that first sitting oh, yeah. where oh. it came through. Will you tell that story? <laughs> I will. In fact, in, on my website down at the bottom, you'll see um, on the footer, Messages of Hope documentary, and anybody can find it on YouTube. We recreated that moment when the very first mm. automatic moment start, writing started. And what happened was I was told by my original teacher, Janet Nohavik, that the the guides had something to tell me and they would start writing through me. I should have pen and paper ready when I sat in the silence. So I did that. And for a few days, I'd get, I'd hear this beautiful flowery phrase. And like most people I talk to now who are new to this, I said, oh, I'm making that up. You know, <laughs> anybody could make that up. There's, you know, <laughs> the critic inside. And But I kept at it. And one day, I was we were living on our boat at the time. And I'm in the aft cabin. And I picked up my pen. And I had asked spirit this big life question and all of a sudden the answers started coming but I noticed that it was rhyming and I was like what and then I just kept writing and it was phrase after phrase stanza after stanza with my eyes closed but I could feel the edge of the paper I was turning the pages and I started crying because this was brilliant they knew I didn't like poetry, those in the spirit world, and so they sent a poet, and I could no longer say I made that up, because when it finished, there was this three-page, perfectly rhyming, perfect uh, rhythm poem that I knew had not come from me. And when we recreated that scene for the documentary, I cried for real, because mm. it was a monumental moment in my life when I saw that when we ask for miracles from the spirit world, they'll provide, but we have to ask. 
Yes. And, and if you had any wisdom to share with folks out there who think, okay, I want to have, I want to be receptive. I want to ask for this. What is the way that you found that quieted your mind best in terms of, you mentioned meditation, of course, but was there something for those who have a particularly active mind that would really help them open up to this state so they could ask for these same things? It's the basic, well, two things, the basic practice that so many people advocate of just setting the goal of have a few few moments, a few seconds of silence, and when you notice a thought, notice it, don't resist it, let it drift through like it's just a cloud on the clear sky. The goal is to be in that clear sky state, and you just train yourself to notice and let go. It's a practice in presence, in focus. Boy, is that a great skill for mediums to have. Then the other thing that was so great was I found a series of recordings that actually uh, were attuned to the alpha brainwave state and the theta brainwave state, alpha being perfect brainwave state for mediumship and theta for channeling. And I trained myself to go into those states at will. And what's beautiful is the Hemisync company that does the binaural beats actually invited me to do a training ground CD or MP3 for that very same purpose now that I'm training other mediums. So it's my meditation dictated by my guides with the alpha and theta expanded and deep awareness states. So it's like the the ripples keep spreading outward and we all just keep learning together and it's beautiful. Oh, so that's the, is that the binaural? It, it, you're having two different frequent, a different frequency in each ear. Is yeah. that, that, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Evan Alexander and Karen Newell have, I know, been doing a lot of work with their sacred acoustics company in that same way. Yeah. Yep. So that's those, so those are some options for folks that are out there um, that perhaps to experiment with um, mm-hmm. to really feel that. Um, okay. So I'm curious then we've kind of skipped ahead to, you know, now you're full on, you know, you're channeling, you've been doing the mediumship work for a while. But what are some of the experiences that really stand out to you when you look back? I know the Arthur oh, Findlay experience yeah. at that college mm. was important. And yeah. it, what really also, and I guess as a little second part of this question, you were put in some situations as you were just beginning to to practice mediumship in front of a class, for example, and asked yeah. to bring something through. And that felt very high pressure. And I'm... <laughs> I, I wondered, was it your military trainer or what allowed yes. you to really stand up in those situations? I know and... it was my military trainer. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me that, but I know it is. When I was in Janet O'Havoc's class just to write her book about her life, I was just there as a journalist, an author, and she had told me that I would have an experience of mediumship, and I thought, how do you know that? And she laughed at me. She said, I'm psychic. Oh, yeah. I forgot, you know, and so I'm sitting in the back and I had told her, just pretend I'm one of the students. Don't let anybody know I'm just here to write your book. So she went through this system of how we can bring through mediums and I'm sitting there and my military mind's going, wow, you mean if you tell them you want them to tell you these certain things, they'll do that? That sounds really cool. And suddenly Janet said, and this is all reenacted in the documentary as well, with uh-huh. Janet in the exact classroom where this life-changing moment happened. And she said, we need somebody to come up because there's a spirit standing right here. Somebody come up and demonstrate this system. And I'm sitting back saying, oh, this will be good. And she points at me and she <laughs> says, Suzanne, come on up here. And that moment, oh, I could have killed her, you know, be spiritual here. No, no. you know. But the military, the commander kicked in and it, we have this phrase in the Navy, suck it up. <laughs> you, know? Oh. you know, you do not 
back down. I remember I was I was in the last plane in U.S. airspace on 9-11 to shift gears real quick. And I remember going back to the Pentagon with the general, the chairman, and going into the place in the Pentagon that had been attacked. That was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But that training teaches you you're in a place for a reason. Do your duty. And that's what kicked in when Janet pulled me to the front of the room. So even though one part of me wanted to run and hide, like, I've never done this. I could make a fool out of myself up here. Something also said, I trust that she is the real deal, an excellent medium. And if she says there's a spirit here, and if she says I can do this, then there must be a reason for that. And I know she would never let me make a fool out of myself. And it was that awareness and that training that changed my life, Sonny, because I brought through my very first irrefutable evidence and a woman in the room raised her hand and said, that's my dad. I mean, I'll cut to the quick. I sensed he was an engineer. He died at 70 from cancer. He, and the big thing was he gave me his nickname when I, when he showed me a pair of patent leather shoes, he said, twinkle toes. And she said, my dad was a ballroom dancer and my mom always called him twinkle toes. Oh, there was no turning back from that moment. Yes. And that is what we're talking about when we say evidence-based or evidential mediumship, correct? With that wow moment where there's no way that you could have ever known that fact. I call them the gold nuggets, but it's, there's another word that I, I teach. I call those pieces, the differentiators, those little things that other things might be generic. Some things might be specific, not really generic, but apply to a bunch of people, but something like twinkle toes, that's the differentiator where you say, that's my loved one. And if I could just real quickly, what's so important for me teaching mediums and for me working as a medium is to capture the essence of those loved ones who are coming through. So it's not just data. They feel, they know that I'm feeling who they are. Yes. That was one thing that really stood out that you described that I wasn't uh, in all my, uh, few years of, I say all my years, it hasn't been that long, but in my years of interviewing and studying these things, the way that you described uh, a a spirit's basically melding with your energy, Mm. that made so much sense to me. Um, Can you describe what that feels like? I can, because when I went over to Arthur Finley, until that point, I felt as if I had just been pulling data out of the air. I went over there, I set the intention, I need to know you are real, I need to know you are real people, even though you don't have a body, I need to feel you, and they allowed that to happen, and so now, if I don't feel a lightheadedness as a spirit steps into my awareness, into my energy field. If I don't feel personality characteristics and symptoms, physical symptoms, as if they're my own, then I know there's a possibility I could just be picking up information from my client or my sitter's mind. And that's not the way I choose to work. So I'll tell them, I really don't feel them and I'll move on. But it's, I become them sometimes. I have this great video clip that I saved from one of my readings where I brought through a couple's son and the evidence was he showed us how he passed and what he was doing in school, all kinds of things about his life. There was no doubt it was him. But suddenly I started shucking and jiving. I'm doing it right now. And he says, and I'm moving back and forth and moving my hands like this. And I said, and he says, I just like, I just wanted to hang out with my bros. (laughs) <laughs> and his mom and dad on the screen, because it was a video reading, leaned forward, and dad put his hand over his mouth, and his mother said, oh, my God. 
because they were looking at their son talking through me. That's when you know we've changed lives again. Yes, beautiful. Um, Well, this is probably a good time to take our break. Um, Benny, does this sound good to you? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Suzanne Giesman, former military officer, now a medium and a channel. And uh, the book that we're discussing most today is Messages of Hope. And we will be back in just a few to continue that conversation. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Hey, Sunny in Seattle, friends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that the greatest gifts and synchronicities of my life happened when I started listening to the voice of my soul and let it take the lead. But in a crazy culture and a chaotic world, it can often be difficult to hear that soul voice, and we forget just how powerful that spiritual being inside you really is. Which is why I created Soul Digger, a membership community for women and those who identify as women who want to live a soul-driven life. We meet virtually to learn, connect, share, grow, and inspire one another on our spiritual journey. Find out more at my website, goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And click on the tab that says, Work With Me. So come get shamelessly spiritual with us in the Soul Digger community, where we mine the true gold that comes from your soul. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizewitz. And this is Climate Connections. A New York City startup is using potato peels, apple cores, and rotten tomatoes to help farmers grow fresh fruits and vegetables. We take produce waste from food distributors and food processors, anything that can't go to a a food bank or farm. Tania Pina is the founder and CEO of Renewable. The company converts food waste into organic fertilizer pellets that can be used in indoor hydroponic farms. She says when dissolved in water, the pellets make the nutrients immediately available to the plant, really kind of mimicking biological nutrient systems outdoors. So she says the technology can help make it easier to grow organic food indoors in urban areas, where fresh local food is often scarce. And it helps the climate. It keeps food out of landfills, where it would otherwise decompose and release methane, a potent greenhouse gas. And it could reduce the need for synthetic fertilizers, which create a lot of carbon pollution when they're manufactured. So far, the company has facilities in New York City and Rochester, New York, and plans to expand to the West Coast. Pina hopes to eventually help cities across the country use their food scraps to grow local organic food. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid 
because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. You're listening to an encore presentation of Sunny in Seattle. Sunny would like to wish you the happiest of holiday weekend. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Suzanne Giesman. Um, and she, of course, is the author of the book Messages of Hope, along with about 12 other books, um, and practicing as a, uh, a teacher, a medium, a channel. And um, so we'll just continue the conversation. But I, I wanted to just start, actually, Suzanne, we were over the break talking about what you're up to now. And I ask if you were uh, planning anything or had anything new and different on the horizon. And you said you are just living in flow now and you used to be a planner now, not so much. And can you speak to that for folks out there who are like, I want to release the planner. I want to trust that whatever spirit has for me, I can be guided by that and just show up and follow the breadcrumbs. How does that work for you? It's finding that perfect balance, realizing that there are certain things that we do have to plan for, but at the same time, realizing that when that we at the human level don't have the big picture. So if we release that to some aspect of intelligence, higher intelligence that does see the big picture and let them guide us, then we remain receptive to things that come into our awareness moment to moment. And then we check in as things are offered to us and feel in our gut, do I go with this? And it becomes this cooperative engagement with higher consciousness and the things that unfold are beyond your wildest imagination in magical, beautiful ways. So I'm teaching a course now with the Shift Network that is allowing me to reach thousands of people that I never would have been without them. And the way that came about was absolutely magical. And I didn't do a thing. It came to me. And I'm hearing my team right now saying, yeah, well, we had to pull a lot of strings. (laughs) (laughs) But But I bet they enjoyed all of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so if we all realize that and just relax and watch and notice, if you're hitting a wall constantly, you're doing the pushing. If your things are flowing, then you're listening. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so picking back up with the conversation around mediumship, I'm I'm just curious. I liked the way that you described this. So for someone out there, because, for example, um, mediumship was not something that I was raised with. I have learned about it recently, and I've had a lot of conversations with my mom about this, who is very curious but was raised um, that, you know, this was not something that one really should be doing um, for more from a religious perspective. But mm-hmm. I really, you know, I have to credit her curiosity. And she's really enjoyed some of the conversations I've had with previous mediums. I like the way that you describe this, because, you know, one of her questions, for example, has always been, how does that work, especially if you're not sitting in front of someone? How does it actually work that you were picking up this information? So when I teach, it's impossible to separate the metaphysics from this whole field of mediumship because it is coming to the understanding that we are not these people in the body. It's not the person and the story that does the work. It's the soul. And so we come to understand what is the soul and where is the soul? It's here in awareness. Everything is consciousness and form follows thought. So all you need to do is have the belief that the spirit that you want to connect with because you're doing it from a place of love to serve someone else will be here because there is only here in consciousness, then you set that as your intention, hold it in your heart and shift your focus to I am the light or I am a soul and they are in your awareness. We created that with their 
their consciousness and your sitter's consciousness. It's a co-creative effort and it works because it serves evolution of the soul. And it's kind of like tuning into a radio frequent, a radio wave or a oh, cell yeah. phone signal. You're exactly. just kind of tapping into whatever the energy or the frequency is of that particular being who has transitioned. Right. And it's a higher frequency. And that's what all the training in expanded awareness that we talked about in the first part of the show is all about. So that when you say, okay, I've set the foundation with my intention and my belief, I've created this beautiful resonant state. Now let's get them. <laughs> you, just go, you just go quiet. You just go passive and say, step into my awareness now. And literally their energy field merges with mine and I feel them and we're off and running. And does that always happen or is it sometimes some beings or transition loved ones really don't want to show up or not that they don't want to, but they are not able to, or how does that work if someone really wants to hear from a particular family member, but they don't come through potentially? Well, happily, I would say that 99% of the times it does work okay. and that's because it will serve the healing either of the client or the, per the person across the veil. Because one of the most powerful moments in a reading is when somebody across the veil issues an apology or ask for forgiveness. Woo, and it's amazing when I don't know the dynamics of the relationship, yet suddenly they're showing me I abandoned my child as a baby. The, the spirit is showing me that and the, and the person in the chair just stiffens. So you know you've got it right and you turn to the spirit and you say, why did you do that? And the spirit explains why. Woo, instant healing from something somebody carried around forever. Now I completely lost the question, Sonny. <laughs> oh, no, I I was asking about, you know, sometimes does it ever happen oh, when, does it, it, ever when happen? it doesn't come through? Yes. Or if it doesn't, why, why would that right. happen if someone is very disappointed? Very, very rarely does it not happen because it serves a purpose for that communication to take place again. But what I found is when it doesn't happen is there's a huge major life lesson for the client that they need to figure things out on their own. Other loved ones will show up. Uh, they need to figure this out by connecting with their guides and learning what their stumbling blocks are. Or one of the three aspects of what I call the sacred triangle in mediumship, the medium, the client, and the spirit is off and not resonating with the other. So if my client is in so much grief or so skeptical that they shut down the energy, then it's sometimes hard to overcome that. But I would never use it as an excuse. I'll only state when I know if I'm not feeling up to par or I might have a cold or something might be interfering with me, then I'll say, I know this is me today. But if for any reason I can't connect, I'll never blame it on anybody else because I just don't know from that higher perspective. Got it. And, you know, speaking of skeptics and disbelief, it's it's funny when I was reading in your own story um, about your background, of course, there wasn't a lot of talk, if any at all, about God in the afterlife. And so your dad, when he went to cross over, uh, had not, you talked to him a bit about it, um, hadn't really voiced uh, th that he would believe that there was anything after this uh, life that we have. And it reminded me so much, um, my, my, dear ex-husband with whom I had a really beautiful relationship with post-divorce passed away in 2018. And he was an engineer, former engineer. He loved um, philosophy and uh, was a very big skeptic. And we had many, many debates about this. And I finally just told him at one point, whichever one of us goes first has to say if the other was right. So I said, if you go first, you got to come back and tell me that you are right. And within the last six months, 
a fairly new um, uh, individual intuitive who is um, learning mediumship, um, th there were some synchronistic events that made it where I said, hey, why don't you try to connect with Rob? And she did. And the last thing that was said in the exchange with her, this is from Rob to mm -hmm. me, is you were right, you were <laughs> right, you were right. Yeah. And I, oh, That's that one of my pieces of evidence I see so often. I have a symbol. They, they kind of burst their hands open in front of their eyes, the spirits do. And that means I literally, I've seen the light and I was wrong. And, and it doesn't happen all the time because it only happens when the person would have been like your Rob, you know? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and you and that I, I feel like that was such a um, uh, uh, I don't know. It just really normalized the experience for me. But for those who are out there, maybe who still do have a skeptic in their life, a loved one who they desperately want to feel comforted, or um, you, whatever the reason, if there's a skeptic out there, how do you respond to them, or what's the most loving uh, way that we can hold them? I have. Uh, people who have had a reading with me and they've had such a good experience. They say, oh, my neighbor's husband just died. I would love her to have a reading with you. Or, oh, would you do a reading for so-and-so? And I learned from experience, Sonny, not to do those readings unless that person asks for it themselves. Because, you know, a well-intentioned friend or neighbor or loved one can say, you got to go meet with this medium. But if you come in with arms crossed and mind closed, well, guess what? Your heart is somehow closed too. And it creates the exact situation you're looking for. You get what you create. You get nothing. It's, it's could be frustrating to me as a medium, but I understand that's that person's path. So when they come to the point where, okay, maybe I'll read this book. This message is a hope. Hmm. Well, I, I'll at least open myself to that. May I have a reading? Then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting the dynamics. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't go head to head with skeptics at all anymore. <laughs> I just share evidence in a public way or give people a reading and you let the evidence speak for itself and it will. Yeah. It sounds like it leaves you feeling a lot less stressed <laughs> as I well. Can't, I can't change anybody's mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I want to kind of, um, we've been talking more specifically about mediumship and, and talking to transition loved ones, but as you mentioned it, additionally, what started to come through for you were some guides and they appeared in a, several different forms and now are more of a collective. Can you tell us about how that occurred and what is happening with them now? Because I have some questions about what you've learned yeah. from them. Yes, that, that poetry that we talked about, that poetry continued every day for a year, the automatic writing. And then it stopped because, as they said, there are only so many words in the English language that rhyme. Don't you get it now? And I said, yeah, I know this is not me. And then three days later, Without any poems, I was actually missing that energy. I missed them. Suddenly, this presence just came into my awareness. Whoa, so much stronger than when I do a reading. And I said, who are you? And they said, you will call us Sanaya. And you will write and write and write as Sanaya. <laughs> and if people go to dailyway.org, they'll find thousands of daily messages from Sanaya. You'll also find channeled sessions with Sanaya, videos, audios that carries the energy of them. People have been healed of physical challenges in my public channeling sessions. It's really stunning. Uh, I can't deny the effect that listening to their words and vibration has on people. And that's why I keep doing it, even though to this day, it's a little awkward for me to channel that's that's really 
that gets up into the realm of woo-woo for this Navy commander, you know? Right. I, yes, I hear you. And I have, I've heard that a lot from, I, um, I will just, I've been very open about this on the show, but um, channeling has been one of the, not me personally, but the wisdom of particular channels. There are three or four that just, I mean, they, I keep them on what I call my vibrational speed dial list because just by letting their words wash over me, it affects every part of my being and that and also the wisdom not just the vibration yeah. but the wisdom oh, yeah. that has been brought through those are the things that really put together my spiritual puzzle in the way that the answers were not there for me um like growing up for example like did, things didn't make sense so now i feel so much more comforted um and so i am not shy about sharing that channeling has been a huge part of my journey and giving me the hope, the inspiration, the encouragement to to do what I've done in this mm. this second chapter of my life. So, I am curious um, in terms of the the uh, what you have learned from these beings. Um, you know, why are we here on Earth? Like, what have you <laughs> what have you come to believe about that? Well, why do parents have kids? Because they just want to share their love and bring more love into this world. Why do artists have to create? They want to create something beautiful. And that's why we are here in this world, because something at another level wanted to create something beautiful and something even more beautiful. And that something that was created will have that same urge. And so when we create and when we align with our true nature, which truly is divine, unconditional love, that's when our lives flow. And the more we do that, the more we realize, wait a minute, that's happening because I'm connected to this. I am this, this source of love. And so we come here to shine our light, to to create more and more of that light and love in this world. And when we're not doing that, we suffer. And that's like the greatest indicator. Are we on track? Are we focused on the story and buying into that? Or are we actually remembering, oh, wait a minute, I came here to love. It's just, it's beautiful once we realize that. And, and it doesn't make our lives all sunny. <laughs> it's, it's like we still have challenges and you still get bumps in the road because that's life in human form. But when you can access that part of you that is always joy and peace, then the suffering ends. I'm testament to that. And it, my life is completely transformed by tapping into that frequency daily minute to minute. Yeah. And And anybody can do that. And do you, do you believe that, you know, that this, this work that you're now doing, that this was a soul contract of sorts, that you came here to learn from these experiences and to do this work, to help with the, with the evolution of other humans who are now connecting with eternal life through that. I know, I know it beyond a doubt. My guides have shown me that. I remember being on a healer's table, having an energy session one time, and suddenly being surrounded by these beings of light. I just felt them. I saw them. I started sobbing. And they said, now do you remember? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and just, like I mentioned right before the show started, looking back at where I was in Bremerton, Washington, and how at the time that this one job fell through, I thought it was terrible, and we'd bemoan, oh, this is terrible luck, how could things go wrong, and then I ended up getting the job as aide to the chairman, and you look back and you see, you were never supposed to have that other job, you had to be the chairman's aide so that you could be doing exactly what you're doing right now, and if we could just have that bird's eye view perspective, we wouldn't 
suffer so much when we think things are going wrong. Yes. And, and I have to ask you, I mean, this is, I feel almost awkward asking this question, but in that same vein, Susan, to oh. lose your stepdaughter and the unborn grandchild that she was carrying from a human perspective is devastating and tragic. No matter yep. what your, your cosmology, it's still, there's so much grief. But from that perspective, was that part of you, the soul, both of you, you and Susan's soul plan to set this whole thing up? Or, I mean, how does that work? There's no doubt. In fact, I just, my, she took my breath away as just as you asked that. And I can just hear her here clapping. Oh. She visits me often. And it's just like she's saying, I'm not suffering. And, you know, yes, we still miss that physical presence, but we have touched tens of thousands of lives, help people to feel the joy, help people to remember and shown them how to access this because of one death that wasn't a death. That's the whole point. When we can see, when we cannot ask why, but what comes of it, that's when we make, we make something good out of something. Do, does yeah. my husband still tear up when we mention Susan? Do I think of her so lovingly? Of course, that'll never go away. But the gratitude that comes from the satisfaction from seeing the effect of what has come as a result of that is beyond anything we ever imagined. My husband has lost count of the number of people that have come up to him at my events and said, you know, that reading with your wife or that workshop saved my life because mm -hmm. it wasn't their time. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Um, that, you know, it's, I have believed these things, but not having in a, in a, the human experience anyway, not having experienced that kind of a loss, it's really easy for me to sit here and say all oh, this is one big, you know, plan or soul contracts and things. But I always like to ask people who have, have really suffered, um, from the human perspective, a very big loss. And I, um, yeah, I appreciate you answering that. Um, yeah. So, um, tell me about what you've learned about the nature of God or source or spirit mm -hmm. through this work. Just, uh, so funny that your name is Sunny Joy because I've had conversations with God now just in the last year and a half when it's finally said, okay, you can talk to me through your loved ones who passed. You could talk to me through your guides. You could talk to me through the masters, but let's just talk. And you can call, <laughs> and you can call me Joy. Oh, wow. Because hmm. God, that name just carries images and connotations from what we've been told. But Joy and I have had some just amazing conversations. And so just recently I was told by that source. Well, just call me. I think Dr. Gary Schwartz was the first one that shared this with me, but Joy said recently, call me the guiding, organizing, designing force of it all. <laughs> so Star Wars had it right, the force all along. Yeah, but guiding, organizing, <laughs> yeah. designing is God, G-O-D. It's an acronym. Oh, yes. Yes. You know? And that's what it is. It's this force that guides everything. If we just surrender, know there's something higher beyond this physical world, just be willing to watch for things that snag your attention. Say, okay, I'll play with you. I'll work with you, but you know, catch my attention and make this fun play yeah. and they will. Yes. And, and then from, you know, where we are right now, evolutionarily as a species. And it's interesting to me how, channeling and uh, mediumship work, any type of intuitive development is really, I don't know that I would say it's mainstream just yet, but man, it's in, it's in common parlance these days. People yeah. are talking about these things. Yeah. And I'm just curious again, from where you said in the work that you've done with your guides and joy and all of the good stuff, um, are we in a time of awakening? Are there things to be happy about now, even when we see a lot of 
what could appear like chaos when we look at the world around us. For exactly the reason you just said, and uh, because individually more and more are waking up. I've I've caught myself several times in just the last couple of days disappointed at a whole two sides of different stories that are all not acting in alignment with our true nature. And I, I thought, ooh, ooh, watch it. You're getting caught up in the story, Suzanne. And then it just go to that place where joy has told me, this doesn't affect me. And I said, that sounds callous because people are suffering. And Joy said, yes, but as they come to awaken, oh, the joy they will feel. Mm. And it almost seems like it takes this kind of shake Shaking up and up. chaos. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To have people really go to what is, what is, what is their foundation? What is the innermost truth of their being, because when everything is falling apart around you, you kind of have to decide <laughs> how you feel about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, it seems like as, as scary as it can be sometimes from the human perspective, that this is also a thing to be celebrated and that it is bringing us to joy ultimately. Ultimately, that's, that's it. Yeah. Well, so I see, I want to make sure that we mention that um, if you would like to connect with Suzanne Giesman further, um, she offers monthly mentoring webinars. She's got a weekly radio show on Unity Online Radio, and she has an upcoming event called Making the Connection Weekend at Omega Institute in uh, New York, uh, July 10th through 12th. Um, And of course, uh, if you want to find out more information about Suzanne, her website is Suzanne Giesman. Eastman.com and the last name is spelled G-I-E-S-E-M-A-N-N, SuzanneGeesman.com. And the of course, there are 13 books out there to choose from. We've been talking most today, or the questions that I have were mostly from Messages of Hope. Um, but th- those are, um, I think that's all the housekeeping that you need to know. So let's just talk for a few more minutes, Suzanne. Let's see, where do I want to go? Oh, I know what I want to ask you about. <laughs> Unless there's something that's standing out to you that you want to share in our last few minutes. I've got yeah, more I, questions. I do. We, we've, we've shared very few stories. And just one of the most stunning ones that I love to share is how our loved ones know things that we don't know and how they, they that we as the medium don't know. I, the, one of the most stunning moments was this woman came for a reading, didn't tell me her last name. Her husband showed up told all kinds of things going on in her life now, so they're aware of current events. He he knew she was about to take a trip to England the first time since he died, and he wanted me to tell her, don't you dare take those pills in your purse. And she had come to the reading so distraught that if she hadn't heard from him, she was going to take those pills in her purse. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm talking about, evidence. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, do you have any more? I mean, my gosh, my favorite thing are stories. <laughs> so <laughs> are, there, are there any other ones you want to share? We've got we've got about two minutes left. Yeah, just this one young man that came through. He'd shown he had taken his own life and that his mom was now on meds because of her depression. He showed me this toothpick hanging out of his mouth. That was his signature thing, Sonny. His mom knew this was him. She went back to work the next day and and the next week, the people at work were saying, are you on new meds? She said, no, actually, I'm off my meds because my son is my meds. Oh, <laughs> just, you know, that's all we need to know. They're not gone forever. And every time I gave a reading, I'm not satisfied unless they show me a current event. Like the time this this mother on the other side showed me this lily this lily in a potted thing and showed me current event with my daughter. And the daughter said, I don't know what you're talking about. The reading was over. She texted me five minutes later, oh, my God, Suzanne, the doorbell rang in the middle of the reading, but I didn't want to interrupt to go answer it. The florist had delivered a lily to my front door. 
Oh, that's mom looking at that seeing that from her perspective in the spirit world yet still with me during the reading with her daughter doesn't matter distance doesn't matter there's only here in consciousness and we are that consciousness call it god call it spirit call it what you want it's real and it's what unites us and it's love mm. at its essence and that is a message of hope my friends Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've been so excited about this interview. I could not put your book down. It, I've, I've interviewed a lot of mediums, and I have to say your story has been one of the most compelling I've ever come across. So I can't thank you enough for being my honored guest today. It's an honor indeed. Thank you so much, Sunny. Absolutely. Okay, everyone. Well, that brings us to the end of the hour. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, and have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.